You are listening to the GTT podcast from the Canadian Council of the Blind. Good morning for those of you on the West Coast. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the CCB GTT presentation call. Today is uh, Wednesday, June the 2nd, 2021. Um, We're really happy to have the team from McGill here to present on some exciting new projects. Rena, I'm a a researcher at McGill. Um, Thank you for coming everybody this afternoon slash morning. Um, We're here to present about uh, the McGill Image Project. So IMAGE is an acronym. Um, It's I-M-A-G-E, which stands for Internet Multimodal Access to Graphical Exploration. And uh, the project is being funded by Innovation Science and Economic Development Canada through the Accessible Technology Program. So yeah, so Jeff and I and a few other people on this call um, are part of a research lab called the Shared Reality Lab at McGill University. Um, And our kind of uh, head researcher is Professor Jeremy Cooperstock, who I believe is on the call right now. Um, And our lab explores high fidelity multimodal experiences, which means that we work with uh, all of the senses to try to kind of make very realistic experiences. And we we do primarily sight, sound, and touch. So as we were kind of talking about before we started the presentation, um, one of our lab's recent projects was Otour which was an eyes-free mobile, uh, yeah, eyes-free mobile system designed to give blind users a better sense of their surroundings. Um, so uh, if you kind of consider the uh, traditional kind of wayfinding or pathfinding system, um, you, you put in, you know, point A, you put in your current location and you put in point B and you get a set of instructions telling you how to get from point A to point B. Um, And if you kind of think about how this works, um, you kind of have to put in that final destination. So you have to have somewhere in mind already about where you're going. Um, And with Otour, we wanted to kind of uh, turn that around a little bit and allow for serendipitous discovery. Um, So if you know about Otour, maybe you don't, um, you kind of install the app. And then if you're walking down the street, um, you kind of will hear um, around you in space Uh, audio labels of things. So imagine you're walking down the street in Montreal and you hear um, to the right of you, you hear the word cafe. And that is telling you that there's like a cafe to your right. If you keep walking and you hear the word um, park, that's telling you that there's a park to your left if it's coming from the left. So there's kind of this, um, this is called audio spatialization and it's um, localizing objects within space by kind of tricking your brain into thinking it's coming from a certain direction. Um, So we thought that this approach was pretty cool and it allowed people to find things that they wouldn't necessarily know were there otherwise. Um, And we wanted to uh, apply this approach to images on the internet, which is how this project was kind of born. So um, this is the image project um, and we want to uh, make internet graphics more accessible. Um, so unfortunately, there's no replacement for designing in accessibility from the start. Um, this project is not about putting band-aids on poorly designed websites. Um, it's also not about um, making advances in auto captioning or image identification. Um, there's actually been a lot of work done on that in the last 20 years, and it's been really good. Uh, JAWS Picture Smart now incorporates auto captioning and image identification directly into screen readers, um, which is fantastic. Um, but we were 
there's so many interesting kind of machine learning and identification models out there. And we were interested in taking the gains made in those and then combining them with approaches like spatialized audio, um, the way it was used in Otour to provide kind of a new and interesting experience for users. Um, so we're actually only, we just started our third month in this project as of yesterday. Um, so we're actually really early on in development, which is why we wanted to come and present to you today. We're super excited uh, to talk to you um, because uh, we want to involve you kind of in the design process for this project. So there's a high failure rate associated with assistive technologies in general. Um, and this has to do uh, in large part because oftentimes people will start a project and they won't involve the, the target community until the very end. Um, and this kind of will result in changes being made too late in the development cycle for it to really affect things. Um, the approach that we want to take is co-design, which means that we talk to the community early and we talk to them often throughout the lifespan of the project. Um, so we are really looking forward to hearing your feedback during the presentation. Um, we have, you know, about you know, 10 minutes left. Um, think about what are some questions that you might have or what are some comments you have for us because um, we'd love to hear from you at the end here. So we're going to be taking two main approaches to kind of represent um, graphic internet graphics um, for users. So the first approach that we're going to be taking is audio. Um, and this is kind of this auteur strategy that we talked about before. So current services will kind of provide, um, will primarily identify content. Um, JAWS Picture Smart does this. I'm actually about gonna play you, for you an example of um, some potential output from something like JAWS Picture Smart. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and play that now. Caption is a man holding a golf club. This object appears in the photo person. This object probably appears in the photo man. These tags describe the photo athletic game, golf, golf club, golf course, golf equipment, golfer, grass, grassland, Highland, mountain, outdoor, pitch and putt, professional golfer, sky, sport, sport venue. So as you can uh, hear, we have a list of various things that the system has kind of high confidence might be in the image. Um, and it doesn't exactly describe the image as much as give you kind of some clues that you can deduce um, what the image might be. Um, and it's very long. So that was like a 26 second clip um, if you're kind of paging quickly through something with your screen reader, you might necess not necessarily want to hear uh, the entirety of that. Um, and we were thinking, how can we use kind of uh, alternate ways other than a listing of objects to communicate what's in an image? Um, so, for, so one of the things that we're going to try to do is use non-speech audio. Um, and so this is kind of audio uh, scene setting. So if you can imagine kind of like um, ambient noises, like birds in the background or um, like the rustle of wind through trees, that might be sort of audio flags that you're in a park, for instance. Um, the other main strategy is the strategy we used in Otour, which is audio spatialization. Um, and so for this one, I think that we would like to show our demo, but I think that we also had some feedback that you maybe want, might wanna wait till the end. So for now, um, I'm going to kind of describe what's in the audio sample. Um, and if you feel like pulling it up yourself, the link is in the chat and you can go ahead and listen to it. Um, I'll give you a few seconds if you want to, a few minutes, yeah, a few minutes if you want to pull it up. Um, otherwise, I will just read uh, my description of it and you can listen to it afterwards.
All right. Um, so if you didn't pull it up or you didn't listen to it before, I'm going to quickly describe what is in it. So you hear the word, um, you hear the sentence, this is, a, this is a photo of a park. And that sentence is kind of located in audio space towards the middle. Then you hear the word foreground. And that word comes from in front of you. And it indicates that the foreground of the image is being represented to kind of by the audio in front of you. Um, then you hear the words five people, and that's coming from the front of you and to the left. Then you hear the, the words a bush, and that's coming from the front of you to the right. Then afterwards, you hear the word background, and that word is, comes from the back behind your head. Um, and you hear two benches, and that comes from the right um, in the back. And then you hear the words four trees, which comes from the left in the back. Um, and so that basically what you have there is those localized audio tags coming from around you um, to give you a sense of uh, where things are in the picture through audio. The second approach that we're going to use to describe uh, and represent images is haptics. Um, so basically, this is the sound of touch. Uh, sorry, this is haptics is like the sort of re re uh, research or scientific word for the sound of touch, for the sense of touch. Um, and you are actually all familiar with haptics. Um, if you have a cell phone and you receive text notifications that make your cell phone vibrate, that is haptics. And that's actually called vibrotactile. Um, so you've actually all, probably most of you have experienced this. Um, there are other types of, hap of uh, haptics too. Um, and these two other types, um, we're going to be kind of targeting, not two, there aren't only two other types, but we're going to be targeting two of these other types um, with uh, specialized um, touch devices. So the first touch technology device we're going to be using is called a haply. And the technical term for what this is is a pantograph, but the technical term is not that important. Um, the main idea, and I have an image here that I'm gonna describe for you of this device, um, is it's two arms attached to motors. Wait and up. these two, sorry? Oh, okay. These two arms join together at a knob and you hold on to this knob. Um, and you can move these arms around with your hand uh, in any direction in 2D space. Um, and what makes this kind of that it, on its own, like what would you do with it? Um, but what makes it cool is that it can push back. So because the arms are attached to motors, um, they can push back against you or they can, or the arms can guide you. So if you're holding onto this knob, this knob can move your hand around or you can move the knob and it might feel like you're hitting something. Um, so there are a lot of interesting and cool effects that you can do uh, with this device. Um, and our version of this will have not only that 2D plane motion, um, but also vibrotactile, which is that um, vibration technology we mentioned before. So the knob will be able to vibrate um, and it will have temperature properties. So the knob will be able to heat up or cool down depending on the context or um, something about an image that we're trying to represent. Um, and the last uh, touch device that we're going to be targeting is called um, a dot. Um, pad, and this is um, a pin array. So if you can imagine a cell of Braille has like six dots, um, a pin array will have hundreds and hundreds of dots. And these dots can be lifted or they can be put down um, depending on what you want. Um, and this kind of device can allow you to create your, like outlines of things um, or um, graphs. So we think it could be really useful in terms of being able to follow the trend of a graph with your finger. Um, it basically gives you a touch representation um, of various things, yeah. Um, um, the Haply is going to be kind of in the hundreds of dollars. So this will be a little bit more accessible. 
whereas the data array will be a little will be more expensive and so it will probably be available mostly like in libraries or something along those lines so how do we put the audio representations and the touch representations together um, to illustrate this i think the best way is probably an example um, so let's imagine that you are going to visit Montreal and you are going to go to the Nianed Glu metro station. Um, so you are on the STM, which is the Montreal Metro website, um, and you are looking at a map. You have a map pulled up and you want to explore this map. So you activate our system um, and you have that Hackley, which is that 2D plane device. You're holding onto the knob um, and the knob is kind of moving you uh, through this 2D space. And as it moves you, you have your stereo headphones on and you can hear um, in audio um, various uh, location tags coming up as you walk around. So you're kind of, yeah, going around in this virtual space with the knob and you hear turnstile to your left. And that indicates that the turnstiles are to your left or you hear the word um, ticket booth. And that is coming from your right. So you know that the ticket booth is to your right. Um, and as you continue going, maybe you hear the trains uh, kind of fading out in the background as you walk away from them. Um, so this kind of integrated experience might be something that's possible if you're using audio and haptics together. Um, and it's important to note that not everybody will have one of these um, pantograph, you know, 2D plane devices. Um, so uh, the, our, our system will not only work if you just have that, it will also work depending on whatever kind of hardware you have. So if you're somebody who only has um, you know, mono headphones, our system will adapt to that. If you use stereo headphones, our system will be able to recognize and adapt to that. Um, so there will be a lot of preferences that you can choose um, to kind of customize the experience so that it works for you. Now I'm gonna turn it over to Jeff, who's gonna explain how this is all possible. Great, thanks, Sabrina. Uh, so I'm Jeff and I'm working on the image project with uh, Sabrina and some of the other people on the call here. And my role is, uh, is a technical project manager. So it's kind of my job to make sure that all the technical pieces come together. So I don't know if there are uh, other developers on the call. Um, I'm not gonna go too into depth, but if I don't go into enough detail, um, I'm happy to talk about the, the core of our technology afterwards in the discussion section, or you can always contact me. So what I would love to be able to do is say, okay, go try it right now. It's up and running and then we'll talk about your experience with it or I'd walk you through maybe a live demonstration uh, of it. But as Sabrina pointed out, we're only in the, the, just entering the third month of the project. And so it's not quite ready for that yet. Now we're not gonna wait to release it to people to try um, until the very end of the project. Um, it'll, we should have something available hopefully over the summer that people can begin really using, uh, but we're not there quite yet, unfortunately, much as it pains me. So as an alternative, I'm just going to walk through how it would kind of work in practice. So the first thing, if you wanted to use McGill Image, you would install a Chrome extension in your browser, um, whether it's Firefox or Chrome. Uh, the extension we created is a Chrome extension, but that doesn't mean it's limited to just a Chrome browser. It works in my browser on Linux, for example, which is the Brave browser. It should work in Microsoft Edge, whether you're on a Mac. Um, so we should be able to get pretty wide coverage there. One caveat that we can talk about in the discussion section, however, is that the extension that we've created does not work on mobile devices. 
like iPhones, iPads, or Android devices. So we have some ideas on how we might be able to get an experience there. But Sabrina is also going to point to a survey that we're running at the, um, she'll have a link in the last slide, I think, after, right before we go to discussion. And we're interested in how people are really accessing internet graphics uh, throughout the day. Um, so it'd be great to get some information on that to help guide our development plans on the desktop browsers versus the more mobile experiences. Okay, so let's say you're on your desktop machine, your laptop, and you're in your browser, uh, and you've installed our extension. At that point, you can navigate through the page using your screen reader or whatever you use. And when you get the context menu for an image, which could be either a key on your keyboard or I use a mouse, so I right click, there's already a menu there that has a bunch of options like copy this picture or um, several others. Our extension adds an additional menu item that allows you to say, I wanna use the McGill image service on this graphic because I want more, a deeper experience with this one. At that point, the extension takes the graphic that you're interested in and it bundles that up. And then it also gets the information that Sabrina was referring to about what the capabilities are on your machine. So do you have a happily hooked up or not? And it will then adjust the experience to only use the, the, the things that you actually have available to you. So that all gets bundled up. It gets sent to our server. Uh, so this means that if we're not doing a lot of heavy processing on your local machine, all that heavy stuff is going on on the remote server. So at that point, we're going the server uses machine learning, much like picture smart would. It's the same general kind of thing. But instead of just taking the output and reading it back from the machine learning, what the image project adds is that it goes through another phase on the server where it um, derives a, a richer experience and it creates the kind of spatialized audio experience that Sabrina was referring to. And so that extra step makes it a much richer experience that incorporates both the audio and if you have access to it, the haptics as well. And it's important to note that it's not maybe just one experience that you back, get back from the server. So let's say that you choose an image, say um, an, an artistic image by the artist Banksy. And let's say that that, that image, uh, that piece of art has some political figures in it, like Angela Merkel and Vladimir Putin. So you can either look at this picture, this image, from the perspective of its art, in which case you might be interested in the textures and the colors and the layout of the figures and such, or there might be a political aspect to it, where you want to know the context of why this piece of art is important uh, today. So there might be two different modules on the server that look at it from those two different perspectives. And if they both say, yeah, I, I can do a good job of making an interesting experience, something useful out of this image, you might get both of those back in your browser. So you won't get just one, you'll get two. And then you get them in a list so that you can choose which one you want. So maybe first you want the political expression. And after you're done with that, maybe then you want to delve into the artistic side. So whatever renders there are on the server, they can return multiple experiences that you can then pick from. And then you just navigate the list that comes back and you choose them. Okay, so Sabrina, slide 11. 
So that's the first thing I wanted to touch on, kind of a walkthrough of how it kind of works. And again, if people want to talk about more technical guts, I'm happy to talk about that after. But the last thing that I wanted to touch on more on the technical side is something that's near and dear to my heart and is one of the main reasons why I was interested in working on this project, which is that it's part of our mandate to make sure that the image project is both extensible and that it's open. So what does that mean? Well, essentially, we know that there are billions of images on the internet, and there are many different varieties in many different situations, and we will not be able to, with our research time before next March, do justice to all of them. So the extensibility allows others to contribute later on specific experiences. So for example, let's say you are a jewelry manufacturer or you have a jewelry store, and you wanna make sure that when people come to your website looking for jewelry, that you can give them an experience that doesn't rely just on the pictures you have there. So you could write a plugin module for the image server that focused on things like, what are the materials that the jewelry is made out of? Is it gold, platinum? Where are the stones? Maybe there's a haptic experience that shows you how the stones are laid out because that's very important when you're selecting a piece of jewelry. So the, that company doesn't have to go through and do all the different parts. They can already use the extension that we've created. They can use the machine learning infrastructure that we have. We already have a component that does the spatialized audio rendering and text-to-speech and bundles everything up and sends it back to the browser. They can kind of ride on top of all of that to handle new image types that we didn't get to in the course of the project. So we kind of think of that as we're creating not only experiences that will be valuable ourselves, but we're also creating kind of a playground so that artists, business people, developers, anybody can plug in new things to make it a richer experience overall. Um, and the second piece of that is maybe that pluggable architecture isn't even enough. So the second part of being extensible and open is the openness. And so another part of our mandate is that all of the code for all of the pieces that we're developing will be available as source code. So it'll be open sourced. So that means that if you want to do something different with the extension, you can start with what we have and you can recompile that with your own, your own new features. So if someone wants to run their own server, they can make modifications and run their own server and that's perfectly fine. So the goal here is to say, we're not just a research team looking to do a one-off experiment where we try it with a few people. It's really that we're trying to build something that other researchers and commercial enterprises could build on top of to create something that's usable over time and is sustainable beyond just the funding of this project, which ends next March. So hopefully I've given you a rough idea of how it kind of functions. And I've also talked about how we expect it to be extensible and open so that it's an ongoing project even beyond the current research funding for it. So with that, I'll turn it back to Sabrina and I look forward to discussing. of the presentation where Jeff and I do all the talking. Um, we're gonna open up the floor here to you in a second, uh, but before we do that, I wanted to quickly uh, direct you to um, a few resources that we have related to the presentation. So the first thing I want to direct you towards is our website, and that is srl.mcgill.ca slash ATP. Um, and you can go there and it has links to the audio demo that I mentioned earlier. And also uh, that survey that Jeff mentioned where we're going to be collecting your feedback 
um, to hear about how you use the internet and interact with images. Thank you for listening to the GTT podcast from the Canadian Council of the Blind. There are many ways to get in touch with us. You can call us toll-free at 1-877-304-0968. You can follow our GTT blog at gttprogram.blog. If you'd like to subscribe to our email support list, you can send a blank email to gttsupport plus sign subscribe at groups.io. And you can follow the Canadian Council of the Blind on the web at ccbnational.org.